All right, here we go. We ready? I guess. <laughs> Welcome to M Vibes Podcast. Home of good music, good libations, and good vibes. Welcome back to In Vibes Podcast. Uh, we are at a new venue this week, uh, Heist Barrel Arts, over off of uh, State Soul Road. Going to have a little uh, little different podcast today, um, talking about uh, what songs Billy Joel Armstrong may have written that you didn't know about. Uh, but let's start out with what you guys are drinking. Ernest, what are you drinking? All right, I got some uh, the the heist uh, druid pills lime, mm. which is an excellent pilsner, but with that splash of lime in it as well, excellent. And uh, also drinking Penelope Cast Strength Bourbon, nice, which is I've never had it before. I've heard a lot about it, and uh, it is excellent. Sorry, I was actually drinking. Uh, I got the Chai Jacked uh, Red Clay Ciders. Um, it's their pumpkin cider with a little uh, chive spices added to it and some, um, what's this called again, Ernest? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Redwood Empire. But That's it. I mean, he's got two up there. I'm not sure which it one you got. Complements this cider very nicely. So. Okay, nice. Amanda. Hello. So I've got the uh, highest Marzen, which is very nice. And um, I got the... Sagam, did I say that right? Ernest, you're you're our go-to bourbon Sagamore. guy. Yes, thank you. Rye. Sagamore Rye. Sagamore Rye. Thank you. I, I I don't really know that much about bourbon, but I know what I like. And this is delicious. And these are going really well together as yeah. you know, and we have a uh since Javier was a no call, no show, and we have no intern. <laughs> Everybody's fired. We do have a little special guest today. Oh, excuse me. What's up? Uh, <laughs> it's Ryan. I actually uh, work here at Heist, um, head of packaging, do some social media, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And uh, I'm currently imbibing on data coding. It's uh, hazy IPA with Nelson Strata and Galaxy Hops. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I'm actually not double fisting because I got to drive home and I would like <laughs> to be able to make that 40 minute drive. That, that's so hazy. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I love New Zealand hops so much. Oh, same. I, I just that that white wine earthy character is just fantastic. So you have a you have a, a pretty fun event coming up here. At, is it at this location? Yeah, it's at the Barrel Arts location at uh, ten thirty Woodward Ave. Like they said, right off uh, Statesville Road. A little something called Night and Day a Festival we put together back in 2019 that we're doing the third edition this year. We've got uh, 55 different breweries participating Ooh. from across the country, all sending at least two different beers because the whole theme is night and day. You have to send two completely different styles or two completely different hues of beer. So if you send two lagers, a dark and a light. Okay, that's what I was going to say. So it's a, it's something that's a light and something that is dark. Yep. And so you also, can send a Pilsner and a Schwartz beer. Exactly. And, and there may or may not be a brewery that is doing that. So <laughs> I can't reveal too much yet. But, uh, <laughs> no, we're, no. we're reviewing the tap list in a couple of weeks, but uh, it's going to be 
uh, some great breweries, some incredible beer. And uh, we look forward to this event every single year. And every every year we just try to do it a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And, you know, I keep, I keep hearing great things about that festival. Uh, I have yet to be able to attend because of you know, one conflict for another. But I think I'm going to be able to make it this year. That's so. what I'm talking about. So nice. we'll definitely be uh, reviewing that on a upcoming episode yeah that sounds great and um, hopefully i'll be able to make it out too it kind of depends on work maybe i can like swing in for a little bit because it sounds amazing i can be your guys' driver for tonight if you want that you you heard that all here folks right <laughs> i mean we I, had that I on the record i can't Thanks, Eric. i can't drink any of the beer so oh 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 okay awesome carol was thinking you were actually being nice i was <laughs> I mean, I actually. So, what, what is what is the uh, date and time of uh, Night and Day Fest? That's going to be on November twelfth, starting at noon and going till five p.m. Oh wow! Oh okay. man! So, uh, pick me up at eleven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and, and then if you know, if I have to call out of work that day. I'm, uh, oh no, no, no! I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. No, uh huh. <laughs> I think you may have COVID at that point. You uh, maybe, not, yeah, maybe five days off. Yeah, I, I like call in and say I have COVID, and then there's like pictures of me on social media all over this festival. <laughs> well, you know what? No, that's that's where you say like, this is where I got it from. Oh, but, but then oh, that, yeah, that's yeah, gonna be great business. For yeah, us. yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> we are we are just striking out all over the place yeah, right now. So, um, so uh, we really appreciate you hosting us here tonight. This is great, yes. um, great space. I'm, I love the view of all these barrels. It makes me very happy. It's been that's been kind of the biggest thing this year. You know, we pulled in a guy by the name of Peter that worked at Wicked Weed pre buyout, and he ran the barrel program at Other Half for a year and a half. Oh, um, nice, wonderful. So, dude, oh, he probably dude knows, knows uh, Travis Tolson too. Huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All um, right. He, he he's. He worked with Travis. He worked with um, Jeremy that's over at Protagonist. So uh, he's got some great connections. Oh, yeah, that's that was right. Jeremy Clays was there, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but bringing him in, we've kind of developed this part into something that is going to be absolutely monstrous. And if you don't mind me plugging our first barrel aged release. No, please do. Tell oh, us all about it because yeah, we, we want to be first in that. line for that. So. <laughs> We're doing once a month barrel aged releases. Uh, first one's going to be October 29th. It's going to be our first one is a barrel aged stout that has no extra adjuncts in it. Oh, that's uh, going to be called Elegant Violence. <gasps> and we're doing that's that's a nice name. That is a really nice name. I buy it just for that. <laughs> and we uh, will be releasing side by side. It's the same base, but we are. Resting it on 20 pounds per barrel of Snickers. <laughs> and that one will be called Deafening Silence. Wow. So once a month, we'll be releasing two barrel aged beers. And uh, the whole concept is oxymorons. So how long will this uh, go on? So that release is going to start October 29th at noon. Okay. Uh, we have 300 bottles of each. We have no idea when we're going to sell out. So show up. Get here early. Yeah. So how many months are you going to be releasing barrel aged beers? Once a month, period. Until okay. until you until, you, until you, don't you don't have any more. Oh, we have another stout sitting in our tanks right now that's ready to get barreled. And okay. that's going to be another 10 to 12 right there. Oh, nice. So where, where we're, are we're you, not going to run out. 
Where are you sourcing your barrels? Are you just getting them from different places? Or uh, Luckily, we've got a couple of people locally that get some really nice Elijah Craig barrels. Um, we've been getting some Weller barrels as well. Uh, the Ooh. first release is going to come all out of Heaven Hill barrels. <gasps> yes. So um, if the good thing about Heaven Hill is there's that really nice spice character to it. Um, you can absolutely taste that character in the beers. That's Excellent. Wonderful. That Thank sounds you. outstanding. Yeah, that's amazing. I can't wait to try all of these beers. We might yeah, have that's to. That's why I always like the Heaven Hills spiciness, but I like the beam nuttiness. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I like the bakers and Knob Creek. And I'm, I'm going to not make a juvenile comment right now. <laughs> what, you don't like nuts? <laughs> Squirrel! That's, that's not what I've been told. I'm sorry. Anyways, what are we talking about today, Amanda? All right, so um, what'd you think about that uh, pre-opener song that we played? Uh, I loved it uh, for two reasons. Well, uh, we love the interrupters on this yes. podcast. They're yes. one of our favorite bands. And uh, that song, I believe I believe they close out every set with that song. So, so you know who wrote that song, right? Uh, I have a feeling I know. Mr. Billy Joe Armstrong. Yep. And I think that when we originally started talking about this, this episode, we were going to talk about songs that Billy Joe wrote for other people that you didn't know were written by Billy Joe. And I know you're not a Green Day fan. I'm not a huge Green Day fan. I think I like some Boy, of their, their earlier. I'm going to admit something here. Let, we're going to get to that okay. because <laughs> because I went down a whole rabbit hole and this like where we where the the jump off point for where this episode started and where I ended up after researching it it became a whole different a whole different thing for me and I know that a lot of us like to be like well I like Green Day's first two records and then after Dookie they suck and I'm going to I'm going to call bullshit on all of us for that Dookie actually three. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. You, you but but uh, Sorry. Th- but that's the point I'm trying to make is that everybody wants to try to play that that punk rock street cred. And we'll get a little bit more into where I went on that path with it here, but I want to talk about so there there were two instances that happened in my life in the past couple years that made me rethink Billy Joe Armstrong as an artist. And the first one was the album that he did with Nora Jones. See, I didn't even know that they made one, so I can't wait. So to they hear off it. and I, when I first heard it, I thought it was her, and she asked him to come be on it. It was actually the other way around. He he did a whole album. He wanted to do the whole album of like Everly Brothers covers. The Everly Brothers had done an album of covers. Does that make sense? Yes. So he loved the record so much, but he felt like he needed somebody to do harmony and some like to have a female vocalist on this it. This is Nora Jones, like the, the jazz artist, right? Yes. Okay. Daughter of Ravi Shankar. Yes. Um, who is just an amazing singer. I am a big fan of hers, which is why I even discovered this record to begin with. And then I, and I, I, I know that like a lot of like Billy Joe's, you know, he had that, that snotty, like SoCal punk, like, clothespin nose kind of punk accent that's like trying to mimic being British. And I was just always mm-hmm. turned off by his vocals. And then when I heard his vocal on this track, it kind of 
changed my way of thinking about him. And I was like, he can harmonize. Like this guy is like, has a really great singing voice. And I started to think about him in a different context. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just fucking beautiful. See, I've always been a big fan of Nord Jones anyway, so. Yeah. And this is a little bit different for her, too. Well, yeah, this is also more of my roots and music. Yeah. She fell in love with me. This is awesome. This is nothing like what I normally listen to, but this is really fucking cool. Yeah. This is... Like, if I played this for you and I, and I didn't tell you who it was, never in a million years would you said Billy Joe Armstrong. No nope. This nope. reminds me a lot of the Robert Plant, Alison Krauss. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this song is really, really old. It was, yeah. I think originally it was written in like 1924 by Samantha Bogardner, I think was the name of the, the it's, it's been recorded, like Jerry Garcia recorded it, Jerry Reed. Um, Mike Ness covered it on his um, Under the Influences record. Um, Hank Thompson has done it. Um, it. It's just one of those old folklore songs that has been recorded over and over and over again. And when the Everly Brothers recorded it, it was their second studio album. And they did it because it, it was songs. The name of the record was Songs Our Father Taught Us. And I think that's right. I mean, and that might not be exactly the title, but they recorded all these songs that their dad had taught them to play. And this was one of those. And this whole album sounds like this. For every single track from beginning to end is this good. And uh, Foreverly is the uh, album name? Is it is, correct? yes, yeah. Shot that gambler down. Shot that gambler down. Try that. I want to go look and go this deep diving. So I have a uh, playlist on uh, Spotify that I, I call uh, Spectrum, and it's it's a mix of a, a lot of stuff, but it's always very mellow stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be you'll go from Tribe Called Quest to this, 
but it'll all be like jazzy. But the flow makes back. sense. It, yes, it all does. It artists is. you may not necessarily right. associate with each other, but when you you right. hear the the tempo, yeah. But that's those songs are going to be added to that playlist. Well, I mean, you can always post that a link up onto that's the right, yeah. the in vibes yeah. Facebook page, and then you know if people want to listen to it and vibe to it. It'd be yeah. great. Well, I mean, that playlist goes on for about like, five days. You know, all the other stuff we said we were going to post. Well, uh, I mean, is anybody no, listening to this playlist? Nobody's I mean, called us out yet for not posting them. I know, so right? Yeah. When like, they do, we'll fucking post. Look, I've been busy. <laughs> I have been busy. I have shit to do. Um. So anyway, so if this is another song that in my so. I'm going to keep convincing you here is where we're going with this, because I know you weren't going to think of that as being, that's not in the the scope of what you associate Billy right. Joe Armstrong no. with. The next song that I picked is a cover that I discovered whenever I was searching through like research for our Scott episode. She, she screams in silence. Wow. This is Mad Caddies. This is Mad Caddies. Yes. I was out for a walk and I had on the ska playlist and this popped up and I was like, what? Isn't that a cool feeling when you come up with a song yes. and you're like, this is wow. straight up. Steady. I mean, this is great. This is great. So when I was listening to this and I was like So I was listening to this and it was like this is the first time hearing this version of the song really made me rethink the lyrics to this because when this record came out it was like it's the 90s I'm running around smoking this, dope this and like album hanging out Straight to like number one, everyone and their brother bought this album. So I just did. Yeah, um, but I was like partying with my friends. We were right. all high, riding around in cars and whatever, and just like I saw them on this tour in Detroit. The Pansy Division opened for them. Oh, I love them. Yeah, me too. But they got booed off the stage. So of course they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean they were opening for them and. But hearing this version of the song, I could hear the the lyrics more clearly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is brilliant writing. Like, Billy Joe is like a fucking poet. And I didn't even know it. And he did write this song for his um, his girlfriend at the time, Amanda, which he also wrote a song called Amanda. Oh, really? Yeah. But she ran off to like Ecuador or something because she said she didn't want to live in a country with McDonald's, which is punk rock as fuck. Uh, isn't McDonald's worldwide though? Or I guess it's well, not I, I, she went to live in a, the jungle or something. Yeah, like, she's like, heard- she's like, fuck capitalism. I'm punk rock as fuck. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I heard McDonald's is everywhere. Yeah, I heard. You can buy a beer at McDonald's and like 
Russia or something. Oh, you can in Germany. Because when I went yeah. there when I was like 16 years old, mm-hmm. we went to McDonald's in Germany and I got a beer with my Happy Meal. It was the best day of my life. Wow. <laughs> I got my little Grimace toy and my, and my like Hefeweizen with a little straw and the like Happy Meal cup. Same thing in France. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get wine there. You get wine with your Happy Meal in France. Or am I stereotyping? I don't know. <laughs> I let. Uh, there was no toy. It's just a beer. I let my oldest daughter have a sip of her first alcohol yesterday at the park. I was drinking a uh, Mighty Swell Setzer uh, peach, and she goes, "Dad, can I try it?" I'm like, "Don't tell your mom." Here's a sip. Yeah. Well, now, me. now, now, mom's gonna know. Mom, mom, <laughs> she didn't listen to the podcast. Mom hasn't listened to the podcast in weeks. Say, yeah, you know, <laughs> she'll listen to this shit. So I want. I just want to. My luck, she'll finally listen to this episode. And I'll be busted. I know. Yeah, this is the one episode that Kath decides she's gonna yeah. she's gonna I'm listen busted. to. So I want. I just want to read. I'm. I'm gonna get a little. I'm gonna wax poetic for y'all for a minute ahead, because I just want to read these lyrics to you because whenever I heard them with fresh ears from this cover for the first she, time, yes. Okay. So one of the lines is a sullen riot penetrating through her mind, like. That's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then we got, she figured out all her doubts were someone else's point of view. Like all of your insecurities are based on what other people think of you and fuck that. And you just do what you're going to do. That is fucking poetic. I mean, he was what, 19 when he wrote this album? Something? He was yeah. Young. Yeah. And I mean, some of these songs that, we poo poo on because they were they were going acoustic or whatever. Like, wake me up when September ends. When that song came out, I was like, "What is this sellout crap?" But then researching all this, I realized he wrote that about the death of his father, and his dad died when he was ten years old, and this was his way of expressing that grief. Wow! And I was like, "Damn, I feel like an asshole." <laughs> well, I liked um, American Idiot. Was not about George. George yeah, Bush. and 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 yeah. you know, and and here's where I am with that. This is this is where we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes about this because you know, there's so many times that we will like just start shitting on a band because they get famous. But did Green Day really? I'm very guilty of that. Sorry. I am yeah. too, yeah. and I'm calling myself out on this episode as well yeah. because I know that like I'm if and I think like Ernest has brought up before too, like when we've talked about this in the past, like these bands get these record deals and they get all this money and their sound changes. Like, well, they're also getting better, better instruments, better producers, better recording studios. So they have money and they're no longer angry. Well, but, 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 but but angry is what got them there, but I know that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you can still do angry, but you can sound a whole hell of a lot better than you did recording in your garage. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I don't, but I don't think that Green Day necessarily strayed from those principles that they founded themselves on to begin with. They just had to better wait. So like, how am I going to give them a hard time about doing American Idiot the musical whenever I'm going to go with my family to go see Tommy the musical? Yeah. So why are we going to get mad at Green Day about it, but we're not going to get mad at who, the Who? A musical is not punk rock. It's but but how it? Okay, see, but, I, I understand now. Yeah, but yeah. rock didn't used to be musical either. But the people who are performing on that stage are artists. 
Yeah. They did not go into bank jobs. They pursued a career in dance and singing they and and art and safe route. They, right. They did what they they, they followed their dream. Yeah. So you may not think of a Broadway musical as being punk rock, but when you really think about it and strip it down, how is somebody creating their art and doing what they're compelled to do not punk rock? For us to say that something isn't punk anymore because you made some money off of it. We're being hypocritical. That's like me saying, oh, I don't make craft beer anymore because we went to Sam Adams. You know, I mean, do I not deserve to have accolades for doing a good job just because I achieved some success? I understand that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing like Sierra Nevada. Yeah, Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada never sold out. They're still independent, right? And so is but Sam yeah, Adams. They are, yeah, and, and yep, absolutely. You know, though, last time I was at Samuel Adams, I asked how much they sell as far as like the craft beer goes in the U.S. He said they are zero point six percent of the beer sold in the right. US. So when you think about it in those so, terms, yeah. even like a company like Sam Adams or Sierra Nevada, their market share for what beer sales in the United States compared mm-hmm. to InBev, they're still, they're still small. Nothing compared to yeah. Yes. And it, and if if you if you're like an artist like Green Day, Billy Joe, and you have achieved this success and you're able to bring your message to the masses and still t- stay true to that, why wouldn't you use that platform to keep propelling what you've been saying all along? Like if you can say that on the stage at the Grammys in front of like millions of people and and not just preach to like the 50 kids at the punk club. He's kind of like, I hate to say this, a modern day Joe Strummer kind of just in a message that he puts out in his music. It's never been. I can't recall like a Green Day song that didn't have something smart to say or political like there was mm-hmm. a, there was never like a really stupid green day song when he was such a huge fan of op ivy and and tim armstrong actually asked him to be a member of rancid I mean, he's covered husker do i mean he's played with like i mean he's been on stage with so many of our heroes he wrote yes. for the go-go's he wrote for rancid this is like how are we to dismiss him because he became famous that and then I see a lot of that happening. Like, and this is, this is, you know, this kind of like hit me at my core today because this yeah. is, there's a lot of correlation with what's happening with this story and what's happening with craft beer. And we've talked about this. It's like whenever, especially in Charlotte, like, you know, we had this little tiny community of those of us before it blew up here that we were just this tight knit group well, of people. Heist is a perfect example of all of all that too they you know i don't mean to knock them but at first they started out really really shady like you know like man everyone's talking shit about their beer now and all of a sudden it changed and heist became one of the best breweries in town and then since everyone was drinking them you know talking about how much they loved ice a lot of people were like oh man that's they're too hyped they, up now. they weren't giving them a chance anymore. to I mean, they're, they're long-standing yeah, yeah. They're one of the OGs in this city. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to stop, like, 
it's that gatekeeping kind of thing that's like when you just stop like you know you you see a girl at the mall in a misfits t-shirt and he's like name three of their songs like she may not know them but she may go look up the misfits because she bought that t-shirt and then she might discover the clash and in a million yeah. other bands because she bought that t-shirt at the mall at Hot Topic. So let's that's, stop. That's what you hope. My daughter wears Foo Fighters shirts and she knows nothing oh, about Foo Fighters or she, I guess a trend right right now in young kids is Ice Cube shirts. And every time I see him, I ask him, hey, name one song by well, Ice Cube. Just, just vintage. It is, yeah. You know, as, as I gave my son vintage that you bought at Target for fourteen ninety nine. No, I, I, <laughs> no. I gave my son a um, Michael Jordan T shirt that I think I bought back in nineteen ninety mm-hmm. ninety one. So we're in there, and when he wears it, people are like, "Dude, where the hell did you get that at?" Mm-hmm. You know. But so I mean, it's big. I'm, yeah, I mean, she, my daughters wear Misfit. Uh, she she stole my Run DMC Mad Religion World Tour shirt from 1993, and she that's one shirt that she wears, and she knows who they actually are. But but I mean, they may yeah. learn they might learn something they might not, and it's the same thing as like you know I wasn't you know going to the swing dance at the in the air airplane hangar in middle of World War II, but I still can listen to Glenn Miller because I enjoy the music. Right. So we can't be like, oh, well, because we're old or we've been involved in craft beer longer than other people that we should say, you're not allowed to like what you like. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So if, you know, and to some people, Green Day is old school punk rock. To us, Green Day was like a newer band. But when you think about Billy Joe was part of the game the same time he's our age. Like he yeah. was going to those shows. Like he was, I feel like if Green Day wasn't famous and say they were like a local Charlotte band and he was just a dude that would come hang out and sit at the bar at Tommy's with us and we would talk about music, he would be our friend. And we'd be like, that dude's legit and straight up old school punk rock. But because of his level of success, we're willing to throw him under the bus and be like, oh, that guy sold out. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'll be honest, that's how I got to feel about Green Day. Okay. But at the other hand, on the other hand, what I was about to say earlier, <sighs> I'm a closet Green Day fan. I am. Oh. Well, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I knew punk from the, the, the late 70s, early 80s. Well, and then yeah. I really didn't listen to punk music very much. And then Green Day came along. I'm like, oh, yeah, punk's still going well, on. But at, I, I, I didn't, I didn't was, know that because yeah. no punk was being no. commercialized until Green Day came along. Well, it was Green Day at that point. And, and Rancid. But, Rancid. but we embraced Rancid. The Offspring put out an album at the yeah. same time, Smash. Yeah, uh, that was actually on. Oh yeah, the Offspring was Epitaph. another one. I mean, they kind of changed their big album. They kind of changed their their yeah. their sound a little bit. So how are we going to embrace Rancid and then ostracize Green Day? Well, Green Day went on to become much more successful than Rancid did, though. Well, yes. Yes. I mean that. Yeah, definitely. There, I can walk up to my kid right now and, and well, sorry. Not my kids. They all know who both bands are. But I can walk up to a, a lot of kids and ask them if they know who Green Day is. And they'll say yes. You ask them who Rancid is, and they'll say no. 
me personally, I think Rancid's a much better band than uh, Green Day. Only because, you know what? I can't, I can't really honestly answer that question. I, I don't know why I like Rancid more than I like Green Day. I mean, you know, we all like what we like, yeah. and, that, and that's that's fair, and that's okay. I mean, you don't. I, I mean, I, I would if you would ask me that question yesterday, I would have said, yeah, I like Rancid better than Green Day. And if you would ask me six months ago if we would ever be sitting at this table doing a podcast on Billy Joe Armstrong, I'd be like, hell no. Yeah. And 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 now you know, and this is what I love about what we do because we get to explore these things and it and it brought forward an awareness in my head of like how I need to like change my way of thinking about these things. It's like I, I'm 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 going to go off the rails here for a second because I'm a, I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift because when she was a little girl and she was writing her cute little country songs, I was like, I love little Tay Tay. She is so cute. And then when she started getting into herself and growing older and started writing about things and, and her genre changed, she wasn't writing country songs anymore and it was more pop music. I was like, oh, fuck, she's sold out. Fuck Taylor Swift. She sucks. And then I kind of came back full circle with that. And I was like, no, she was a little girl writing songs mm-hmm. and she developed as an artist and she started writing stuff that was true to herself. And she still writes her own songs. Yeah. And then she re-recorded all of Red because she didn't like what the the um, her um, record contract was trying to make her sound like. And so she wanted to reclaim all those songs and re-record them and embrace that. And I'm like, that's that's punk rock. Yeah. That's that's cool as shit. And like that song, that- if I were a man, I'd be the man. It, like and she's talking about like all the like all the stuff that she was slut shamed for doing. That if she were a guy, it would be totally acceptable for her to behave that way. And I'm like, that's like that's empowering. That's and I like I did it to her, and I I'm like, this has really brought a lot of awareness on how I think about music and artists and and for my personal self. And the, like the same thing with like Miley Cyrus, I'm not a fan of hers, but you know, she was exploited as a kid. Her parents probably toted her out and like made her do all this stuff that she was mm-hmm. doing. And then when she became her true self and she was exploring her sexuality as a young woman and going off the rails, everybody criticized her for it and she should have been embraced for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean a part of this also is learning your craft you know mm-hmm. i mean yeah everyone develops in in the craft that they you know call a profession and some of them you just you're you're learning you're developing you're getting better and sometimes you change yeah i mean you can't do the same thing over and over it'll get boring people knock metallica for changing their sound but if they did 10 albums that sound like and ju- Justice for All, people would still be talking shit. Well, oh, man, they, they, they make the same album over and over again, you know? Yeah, but it, there's still that signature sound. There is. You and, know? and I mean, I don't... It just became more polished. I don't... And I don't like the way Metallica evolved. But I'm not... But if somebody else does, I don't want to take that away from them. If they enjoy that music and it makes them happy, 
who am I to say Metallica sucks? Like, no, I'm in in my head. Metallica sucks, but that doesn't mean that I should make you feel bad for liking that. Well, I mean, you, you listen to like ride the lightning and then you listen to the black album. Two different albums, but exactly both the, the, awesome the, albums. The the sound, the guitar sound mm-hmm. is there. Well, but they, it's I so mean, so much more polished. And lo- mm-hmm. but you know? losing Cliff Burton was a big factor, and right. I mean, it was. It was. Ride the Lightning was not produced by Rob Brock either. So, I mean, that was completely different. Um, I love the fact Absolutely. that Metallica will still say "fuck you" to their fans and still play songs off of Saint Anger live. They will say, hey, here's a song off your favorite album, St. Anger, and and they'll play it, and the audience will boom. They'll play the whole fucking song. Like, I don't give a fuck. Well, I think I, I, I listened to another podcast. It was an interview with Billy Joe in preparation for this, and he was talking about the first time that he was going to play um, Time of Your Life live, and it was I, he was doing, like, an acoustic... So uh, we'll be right back after As, these. Uh, uh, after these, uh, these anchor message. These yeah. messages brought to you by our sponsor. Yeah, perfect timing. All I right, think. so uh, now we are back. We're getting back into the meat of the podcast. So um, I think before we went to break, I was going to talk a little bit about um, you know, like Billy Joe was kind of singing about. And writing about mental illness and anxiety at a point where it wasn't acceptable to talk about it. Um, so, like, your basket case, which was just a super poppy punk rock song that was all over the all over mainstream radio, was about him having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And at, you know, this was a time in my life where I was partying all the time, and I was too stoned to even even care about my own mental health but now listening to this as an adult who does experience these issues it's like whoa like you like i'm relating to this more now than i was as a teenager and um and like we talked about earlier wake me up on september ends was like him writing about the death of his father and um time of your life which is probably one of those songs that was a big old sellout moment for a lot of us because we're like, why is he doing this acoustic crap? And when I was listening to him talk about it, and he said that he never wanted to go an acoustic route with Green Day, but he wrote this song because it was a personal process and it was something he had to deal with. And this was also his breakup with Amanda, the woman we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. which was like one of the loves of his life. And her leaving the country and like broke his heart and him sending like he wrote this song to her to like send her off and like say goodbye. And he was not ever going to re- perform it on stage. He wrote it for himself. And then the rest of the band was like, dude, you just need to perform this. And he was so nervous about going on stage and doing it that he like shotgun two beers and went like was like okay i'm gonna go play this song and like i'm ready for everybody to throw tomatoes at me and just just criticize me for saying for playing this type of music but i just have to do it because it's my art and this is how i feel and i'm like that's more punk rock than anything you've ever done yeah so i'm gonna say time of your life is probably the most punk rock song that green day ever wrote because he didn't care he just put his art out there he put himself out and was vulnerable and exposed himself and did not 
and just knew he just needed to say this to the world and knew that he might face repercussions for it. And it, it just did it anyway. And that's amazing. I respect him for that. Um, Whether you like the song or not, you have to respect that, that that he was willing to do that and not care what people thought about it. That was the, the moment a lot of people were like, Oh, they're not just a punk band, but all right. Let's be honest. How many people knew what punk rock was when green day finally hit it big? Not everyone knew that was punk or they thought it was, alternative rock because that was the thing well, they, the time, they, so, i think yeah. they got lumped in with the grunge movement right yeah and i think that's too like why you know like we get like those of us that get defensive about it because whenever you know we had our friend group that might have been five or ten of us in our, our little small town school and we were the weirdos that were listening to music like this and then grunge hit and then all of a sudden the captain of the football team was like like listening to Ween because he heard it on Beavis and Butthead and mm-hmm. they wanted to be your best friend. And you're like, but last year you were making fun of me for doing this. And, and, and then we just got angry about it. So whenever you saw these bands that you held very sacred to you becoming very famous, it was really easy to get jaded and pissed off about it. Like, how dare you? You were, you were supposed to be mine. Like you, you were the band that I cried to in my bedroom Whenever everybody made fun of me, and right. now you're on, like the MTV Beach House. We all went home and tore those posters off our walls. Yeah, I didn't. Actually, my old man did, but that's okay. Well, yeah. but as I think that that's where we were really getting a lot of hatred and towards some of the success that we saw in these bands. But you know, I mean, if. Tim Armstrong wants to record with him. The replacements want to bring Billy Joe. I mean, he's writing songs for the Go-Go's. Like, that's legit. That's street cred. And he ne- they never really veered from their intention. They just got paid really well. I loved that the song they did with U2 for the Super Bowl for 9-11 was an old skit song. Uh, the Saints are coming. That's an old punk rock song that they redid and did a cover of. Oh. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that. So, um, I guess. what other songs has he written for the people? Well, I mean, we've got this, uh, I've got it queued up here. Well, Ernest has it queued up here. Got this, uh, shaking on his finger. (laughs) Because we love Rancid so much. And I did not even know that Billy (laughs) Joe wrote this song. Get out my nose. Are you dying? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know Billy Joe wrote the burn, this song. The burn, hey, y'all call me an amateur here there yeah. a few weeks ago when the same thing happened to me. So, amateur. Did I? Well, no, I guess it was more hobby here. Yeah, I would say sorry. Yeah. And maybe Russ Ward. So, we've got queued up radio from Rancid. Written by Billy Joe Armstrong. You know what's funny? There's so many times I hear people say, this is Lars, the lead singer of Rancid. I'm like, Lars is not the lead singer of Rancid. (laughs) That's a great song, though.
the music. I got a place to go. I did not know this was written by him. Yep. This is one of my favorite fucking Rancid songs. So, wow. I never did. I never read those liner notes sitting on the couch. So, I'm going to go back and say, yeah. for the record, Green Day is punk as fuck. Yeah. Billy J. Armstrong, Joe Armstrong is punk as fuck. And it, like, you can't even discredit that. I mean, listen to this. Have you heard their cover, their, them cover Operation Ivy? Who? Green Day. No. Oh my god. I may send all that to you privately. Because, I mean, or we'll put it up on the page or, or both. I got a place to go. But, well, you know, it's, it's, it's so much that there were so many people talking about Green Day selling out. But apparently their peers were like, oh no, he's, he's still legit. They are legit. They didn't he, sell out. You know, he was writing songs for them. I mean, if you're going to be invited on stage to play with the replacements. That's is a great band, also from... And also one of Billy Joe's favorite bands. He loves Husker Du. He loves replacements. And he understands the greatness of Van Halen. Husker Du? Husker Du? Are you a Husker Du or a Husker Don't? I'm a Husker Du. <laughs> they, they do a really good cover of uh, Don't Tell Me You're Lonely. Really? Yeah. Man, it's spot on. Like... This is off the Let's Go album, right? Yeah. yeah. So Billy Joe's mom bought him his first guitar after the death of his father so he could have a, an outlet and and if, to, like, express himself and to be able to deal with his emotions. Mm-hmm. And if you listen, really listen to the lyrics of that song, like, and hear the music, I've Got a Place to Go, He that's exactly what that song was about. That reminds me of an Operation Ivy song, though, like... Uh... Um, stereo. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, I mean, it's not the same song, but it's got the same, uh, rhythm, feel. Not feel to it. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Emote. Emote. So I'm, I'm going to definitely say this is one of my favorite episodes we've done because it, I've learned a lot See, and it, it shifted the, my way of thinking. That's what this podcast is supposed to be all yeah. about, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. When, when you do a little bit of research on somebody, you're like, wow. oh, shit. You it, just don't go by what uh, somebody else says. Right. Yeah, you just think for yourself. You listen, and if you, if you like the music and you love the music, you go with it, and who gives a shit? And that's what punk rock is. So if I want to go home and, and, and put on... You know, a Harry Styles record because it makes me happy. That's more punk rock than me going home and putting on a Ramones record because I'm trying to posture. Or I, even Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow is punk as fuck. He's Jewish and he did a Christmas album. That's a sellout <laughs> to me. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Barry Manilow is a sellout. <laughs> so, uh, so we're so going is- to. Neil Diamond and all the other guys. Oh, yeah, I love Neil. Me too. I was I was raised on him. So we're done. I guess we'll. What are, what are we doing this week? Anybody got anything on the horizon? Like, what else is left? Oh, what are you, you got? Any shows coming up? You got something? Uh, 
If Javier was here, we would talk about it. Uh, well, he's not, so you I do. Know. Uh, <laughs> Speaking the, of sellouts, I'm just kidding. He's like actually Cavaletta, volunteering at the men's shelter right, right. now. The uh, Cavalera Brothers, which are uh, the guys, the original members of Sepultura, are playing Wednesday night at uh, the Underground. They're just playing songs off their first two albums, which I was wanting to talk to him about this. I was never really, a, I never really, I, was, I can't say I wasn't a fan. I never really listened to their first two albums. I did today on my way back from Winston-Salem. And I got to say, those first two albums are fucking brutal. Yeah? They are phenomenal albums. I'm going to check that out. And it's better than Roots, Bloody Roots. Ooh. I, oh, that's I, a bold statement, sir. I got into <laughs> Sepultura around territory days i didn't like get into them i always saw that album on the shelves like the one with the eye and like the hobbit type of cover that's <laughs> that's the album that they're doing um matter of fact i was in winston salem today i stopped by uh hippo records i picked up uh richard hell oh um, i love richard hell i found onyx record for five bucks slammed a dada no, it was to throw <laughs> throw your guns in the air and big black and wave them like you just don't care. Yeah, and big black <laughs> vagina. I, that was under two. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's okay. And I, I also found. Uh, See, last week you were talking about Santa's big black cock. Now it's big black vagina. What? I mean, what? What? Santa's big black. Oh, okay. We yeah. can, you're gonna have to edit no, this out. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I listened to it. It's funny. Santa has a big black vagina? No, forget it. And I also found a copy of uh, Prime Minister Pete Nice on vinyl, which is the last member of Third Base. If you know me, you know I'm a big fan of Third Base. So I found that today, too, for like two bucks. Like no one else on the entire planet knows who the fuck that is yet. So that was it. Game of. KMFDM's playing tomorrow night. Oh, well, I, I go. gotta work. I wanna go. I may just make my wife mad and go anyways. I mean, <laughs> Story of your life. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say this no music. This, for the majority. Yeah. The music that we're playing in the background right now is Unforgiven by the Go Go's. You know who wrote it? No, I have no idea. Billy Joe Armstrong. Oh, I should have known that. This is off the uh, one of their more recent albums. Um, God bless the Go Go's. There was a very good documentary on that Amazon one where they're sleeping with all the male groupies. I didn't see that. No, <laughs> I saw the one when they were opening for the police. Uh, I don't know. So um, this week I've got coming up thursday night my my little sister becky with the good hair she hates that so much but she does have really good hair um she for our for my birthday she bought us tickets to see lizzo so oh that's gonna be fun. we're gonna we're gonna go on thursday night to see that and be like i think Feeling we're gonna get all dressed Sorry. We're going to get dressed up all fancy yeah. and maybe go get some dinner and some cocktails. My sister, you know, she's married. She's got two little kids. She didn't get out much. Yeah. So she's going to have like two pina coladas and be shit faced. Mm-hmm. Dawson asked me to take her to go see Lizzo. I said, yeah, it's not appropriate for a 10 year old. Probably not. I'll take her. 
Can I be the bad influence auntie? I'm a bad influence dad. So if, if, if a I'm bad influence no, daddy. If, bad if influence daddy no. sounds like a Lizzo song. <laughs> What about you, Bernie? You got anything else? Cool? You got something going on? Oh, I love um, this cover, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a few things coming up. So, uh, Charlotte Craft Beer Week is coming yeah. up, starting on the twenty-first. You had a bottle share you're planning, right? I was going to do a bottle share uh, theme for. Uh, Charlotte Craft Beer Week, and the venue I had picked was Divine Barrel, because I'm breaking out a 2018 Comfort in Darkness from Divine Barrel. Wow. But the 28th is also the single release for our my friend Greg Parrish. So he's having his single release party, and also. thousand dollar movie is doing there that's right they're playing at tommy's yeah. yes they're playing at tommy's so I, I think it's supposed to be their album release yeah. tommy's our home base yeah yeah so i think i'm gonna push it out uh i might still kind of do the theme of hey bring your best charlotte bottle i like but, that that's yeah. cool uh, it probably won't be till like november 4th i gotta get back to the well if i'm able to make it i date. do have i do have a uh a barrel-aged pilot beer that I've shoved back in the back of my free fridge that has been sitting there for about a year-ish. Yeah. And I might bring that to the table if I can make it. Just yeah. depends on work okay. schedules. You know how this is. And then there's also another officially official uh, Charlotte Craft Beer Week event that same night. Yeah, um, the the bad beer reviews. Yes, I, I kind of want to go to that because it's that's like, going to be know, funny. It's kinda that's like going to be funny. It's kind of going to be like a mean tweets episode yeah so. that, that's going to be really funny um also i think uh d9 is having their uptown party for their ninth you know, anniversary i have not been to that small i've driven past it but said oh there it is <laughs> which one the uh, d9 oh the uptown yeah yeah i haven't been there yet either <laughs> oh my god alice cooper just fell off my vest you don't hear that every day is he hurt yeah, his his head got chopped off. Look. Oh, and I think this the what what Ernest has chose to play us out with is like Billy Joe went out came out with his like cover solo record, and it's so good. It is so good. I encourage everybody to listen to this. So I also want to plug our our host again, Heist Brewery and Bell Arts, uh, with the Night and Day Three festival coming up saturday november 12th uh starting at noon you can get your tickets at www.heistbrewery.com and you'll see the link for night and day three festival so and uh as ryan said earlier it's a uh, themed festival where you have to have a light and dark beer so it should be very interesting whoa I might bring my wife to that festival. She would love that. Well, I, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation we've had tonight. It's been—I think this is a really nice episode. Like, 
good conversation, good, like, good whiskey, good beer. Like, just, I think we all learned something from this. Agreed. And some excellent bourbon. I, again, <laughs> so, agreed. Yes. I mean, I mean Ryan, Ryan was on here, but Zach Antal, who is the, um, the uh, taproom manager here, kind of do it. Kind of does the bourbon selection, mm-hmm. and man, he has brought in some. Great uh, he's stuff. done a really good job. I mean, I great don't... stuff. I mean, we had Russells and Bakers and Penelope and mm-hmm. Redwood Empire and Sacamore. I mean, some great stuff. And it's oh, kind of nice excellent. to get outside our comfort zone because normally we're just like. Most of the time, we're drinking cheap whiskey at Tommy's. Yeah, but, and, and like nothing wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> no. wrong with that. No, but, no, not at all. But, you know, to, like, branch out and do something different is always fun. But we really appreciate them hosting us. I mean, it's, it's a great space. I love this exposed brick. I, I mean. Absolutely. If, if this video ever gets posted, there's a mural of Clint Eastwood behind us, so you, you got to check that oh, yeah. out. I now I just want to listen to Clint Eastwood by uh, Gorillaz. <laughs> I ain't happy Feeling bad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless Alright so we're gonna Sign off now but thank you for joining us Again we missed you Javier But you're oh, yeah. out, there, out there Doing the Lord's work Feeding them Having that emergency situation At the men's shelter so if anybody can like Maybe send some money over to them or, like, volunteer. Like, that would be great. Yeah. He, he we're going to get, get some more information about uh, yeah, the charity that uh, Javier is doing and the shelter that he works with. We might need to do an episode over there. and yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like, try to bring in some awareness and maybe, like, you know, do, like, a canned food drive. You show up for the podcast right. and, like, drop off some food. Or He's there every Sunday helping them cook. Yeah. He yep. goes over to the farmer's market on Saturday. Yep. Gets all the stuff that people want to donate and brings it to them. So. I say he's bringing fresh food, like yeah. fresh vegetables, fresh yeah. fruits to people who normally would not have access to that. And that's that's formidable. And we applaud him for that. And we're sad he wasn't here tonight, but really glad that he was dedicated enough to go like take care of that situation. And way to go, Javier. Good for you. That's awesome. Again. Yeah. This is awesome. Uh-huh. All right, this is going on the damn playlist. All right. So, uh, that's it. Are we good? Adios. I think we're good. We're signing out. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of Advice Podcast. We out. Bye. topics but we want to hear from you and what episodes you'd like to hear if you have an idea for anything we should talk about email us at mbuyspodcast at gmail.com this episode was produced by bwm productions and researched by eric amanda and javier if you like our podcast please help us by rating and reviewing us on your favorite listening platform and follow us on instagram and facebook at mbuyspodcast come on and join in the conversation